The one good thing in a football game is you know where the clock is. When it comes to your life and mine, you don't. Dr. Tony Evans says it's a dangerous thing to delay getting your spiritual life in order. Nobody knows when the final buzzer will sound. And so because we don't know that, we can't afford to wait. This is The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, author, speaker, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and president of The Urban Alternative. When runners are behind in a race, they must dig deep, find whatever strength and endurance they can, and speed up to try to win. Well, today, Dr. Evans examines how believers can dig deep, tapping into God's strength in order to finish strong. Let's join him as he explains. Many a team that was losing the first half of a football game wound up winning by the time the game was over. Many a team that was losing the first three quarters of a football game still turned it around and wound up winning when the game was over. There are two-minute offenses And those two-minute offenses are movements of desperation where time is running out and the clock is ticking. So desperate are those times that they don't even huddle to take a break because time is running out. Gathered before us are some Christians who have lived a, a consistent, faithful life over time and it's clear they're going to win at the judgment seat of Christ. There are other Christians who've been choppy in their Christian experience. On fire for God, not so much another time, and they've lived a roller coaster life and are subject to lose reward at the judgment seat of Christ to some degree. There are other Christians who have failed in their Christian life. And there's very little to show for their salvation. And we saw earlier in our series that the Bible says those Christians, all of their rewards will burn up. And they will be ashamed when they meet the Lord. It is our desire today to explain to you based on God's word how you can still come out a winner even if you're right now a loser. God does have a way to recover from past failure and still come out a winner at the judgment. Now we're talking about the judgment seat of Christ. This is the judgment for Christians, not non-Christians. It is not the judgment about going to heaven. It's about the judgment related to rewards for the kind of Christian you were. The one good thing in a football game is you know where the clock is. When it comes to your life and mine, you don't. Nobody knows when the final buzzer will sound. And so because we don't know that, we can't afford to wait. It is our goal today to give you God's plan of recovery so that moving forward, you build reward while recovering from past failure. He says in 1 John, verse 17, by this, love is perfected or matured 
so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. In other words, when you stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, he wants you to stand with your head held up, not your head hanging down. He wants to be able to wipe tears of joy, not tears of disappointment. He says, I want you to be confident in the day of judgment. And he says that's going to happen because as he is, so are we in the world. In other words, the more we are like him in this world, the more confident we will be in his world. All throughout this chapter, particularly beginning with verse 7, you will see this word. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. He ends it with the fact that the one who's born of God who loves, knows God. He says in verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He says in verse 10, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He says in verse 16, God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. The one word that can change the trajectory of the future and produce recovery from spiritual Christian failure, lifestyle in the past is love. The problem is most people don't understand the word. So we're going to try to explain the word in God's terms, not culture's terms. Before we define the word and explain the word, he wants you to know the motivation for doing this. We have already started it so that you can have confidence in the day of judgment. And he says in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. The principle is the more you keep in sight his love for you, the better lover you're going to be. Or the more you lose sight of his love for you, the worst kind of lover you're going to be. Christians who do not know how to love and do not practice biblical love have lost sight of the cross. We all know you can get so used to something or someone that they are taken for granted. You can get so used to your salvation and the security that you're on your way to heaven that you begin to take your eternal life for granted and don't feel an obligation to respond. All of us have people, you may be raising kids, who take you for granted. You're supposed to feed me. You're supposed to clothe me. You're supposed to put a roof over my head. You're supposed to put gas in my car. What's wrong with you, mama? What's wrong with you, daddy? Because they've gotten used to the blessing. You can get so used to the goodness of God. You can get so used to the salvation he provided 
You can get so used to the fact that your eternal destiny is secure that you no longer feel a responsibility to be like him in the world. He says we love because he first loved us. So he wants the motivation to be. He wants a major motivation of love to be the fact of the price he paid to produce the salvation we possess. In other words, he wants gratitude to be a major motivation for what he's going to ask you to do in order to secure your reward. He wants the motivation to be gratitude. And we all know what it is to have ungrateful people in our lives. He says we love because he first loved us. And as a result of this, he is asking us to love others as a response to his love for us. As he is, God is love, so are we in the world. He wants his love to be reflected in us and through us in the world. That what we got, we give. Now, if you lose sight that you got it, you won't be motivated to give it. But if you remember that you got it, you'll be more motivated to give it. We'll continue with more of our message in just a moment. Stay with us. Hello, this is Dr. Tony Evans with The Urban Alternative. And as you know, Giving Tuesday is coming up. And this has been a trying time for ministries like ours with inflation and with so much uncertainty. So we do need your help. We need your help to keep God's truth going forward. We're not compromising that truth and we're trying to speak it biblically, but also relevantly to the lives of people. We use it through radio, television, written correspondence. We're just going to bombard our society with God's truth, which has never been needed more than it's needed right now. So thank you for your investment, Giving Tuesday to The Urban Alternative. Everything you give will only be used to communicate God's truth to a culture in chaos. Thank you for being a friend of The Urban Alternative. Dr. Evans is committed to the calling of growing the knowledge of God's Word in the lives of people everywhere. But it's the ongoing faithfulness and generosity of listeners like you that make this mission possible. As our way of saying thanks for your contribution right now, we'd like to send you all eight full-length messages in his current teaching series, The Judgment Seat of Christ. It's a look at what's coming up when believers stand face-to-face with the Lord and how keeping that future in sight will bring blessings through the journey. Along with this audio collection, we'll also include a copy of Winning Your Spiritual Battles. This short but powerful booklet from Dr. Evans will help you successfully overcome the obstacles the enemy places in your life. This double resource package will only be around for a few more days, so don't wait to request your copy. You can do that online at TonyEvans.org or by calling our Resource Center at 1-800-800-3222. Team members are standing by day and night to help you. Again, that's 1-800-800-3222. I'll repeat that information after part two of today's lesson. Let's get back to Dr. Evans now. 
In the movie, The Hanging Tree with Gary Cooper, Gary Cooper is a Western doctor and a young man gets shot. Gary Cooper, the doctor, comes to his aid, pulls out the bullet, saves his life. The young man says, what can I do to show my gratitude for you saving my life? Oh, he says, that's, that's easy. I want you to become my assistant for the rest of your life to help save others because that's how long you would have been dead if I didn't help you. If Jesus hadn't died, that's how long we would have been separated from God if he didn't do it. So he says he ought to be able to get a little something, something. As a response of gratitude to the salvation, the propitiation that he provided us in saving us. When I was a little boy, I almost drowned. I'd wandered too deep in the water. And I can remember now, I could barely touch bottom and I was trying to push myself up to, to get a little air. There was a young man sitting who I knew named Donald on the, on the edge of the pool and I was trying to say his name. I couldn't get it out, but he could. He heard just enough to look in my direction and he reached in to save me. So as a little boy, I was saved from drowning from, by Donald. Donald saved me. As a result of that, I went and learned to swim. When I went and learned to swim, I then began to swim competitively. Then I became a lifeguard. Then I became a water safety instructor who trains other lifeguards. So I got saved by Donald. I never forgot that I got delivered from Donald. And because I got delivered, I learned how to save other folk who needed to be delivered because I remembered one day I got delivered. If you're here today and know you've been delivered, know Jesus is your savior, know you're on your way to heaven, then it ought not be too much to ask that you respond in kind as he is, so are you in the world. God is love and he wants you to be a lover. He wants you to be the loving expression of who he is in the world. He says, there is, verse 18, no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. Ah, this is a powerful concept. He says, the more you love, the less you fear. The reason that we are afraid is there's not enough love to work against it. There's not enough expression of who he is in the world by us to negate the insecurity we have of being in his presence with so much in our past that hasn't gotten right yet. So much that's not straight yet. But he says the perfect love, that is love that is maturing, will dumb down fear. So if you want to get rid of fear, don't go fear chasing, go love chasing. Because when you chase down love, you're going to knock down fear because perfect love cast out, gets rid of, diminishes 
insecurity and fear, particularly as it relates, he says, to the judgment. So the question is, what do we mean by love? This word gets thrown around a lot. I love chocolate cake. I love ice cream. I love that movie. You know, I love that place. We confuse the word love with like. Like involves an emotional attachment to something. When I like something, it means I enjoy it. That's the word like. Biblical love does not start with an emotion. It starts with a decision. Like starts with an emotion because it's how you feel about it. Biblical love may or may not include an emotion. That's why God can command you to love your enemies. He's not telling you to feel good about somebody that hates you. He's talking about making a decision. So let me give you a formal definition of biblical love. Biblical love can be defined as the decision to compassionately, righteously, responsibly, and sacrificially seek the well-being of another. Let me say that again. Biblical love is the decision to compassionately, righteously, responsibly, and sacrificially meet the need of somebody else. Okay? Love is a decision. That's why it can be commanded. Jesus called it the commandment. What is the great commandment? You should love the Lord your God and your neighbor. He says, love is commandable, and you command decisions, not emotions. You can't can't command your emotions, but you can command a decision. So to love is to decide something. What you are deciding in biblical love is to be of benefit to somebody else that has a need. You're making a decision to execute compassion Because of a need, okay? So there's a need, you're going to be compassionate about it, and you make the decision. Once the decision is made and the action taken, love has been expressed, even if there's no feeling attached to it. Now, you want feeling because you want to like what you love. And that's good. We should want to like what we love, but we can also love what we don't like. Because biblical love, God so loved the world that he gave, he wasn't doing flips about the death of his son, but he saw a need. And because he saw a spiritual need, he made a decision, even though it was costly to his son. So love, biblical love, not cultural love, not Hollywood love, but uh, God's love starts with a decision and often grows into a like. Okay? When a man says, I don't love my wife anymore, the woman says, I don't love my husband anymore, what they're generally saying is, I don't like him or her. The, the emotion is gone. The fire is gone. The passion is gone. That's what they, and what they do is they turn like into a love decision. But biblical love starts with a decision, and it can grow into an emotion. He says in 1 John chapter 3 these words, verse 16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. He did something based on our need. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need 
and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love is not just what you say, it's what you do. And the way you know you're not loving is you have the capacity to do it, the opportunity to do it, and you make yourself not do it. He says you close your compassion. That is, you force yourself. I'm not going to do it. You can. You should. There's an opportunity to but you say, oh, you force yourself away from it. That's why he says in verse 17, you close your heart. You shut it down. You decide not to love. You decide not to express it. He says, when that happens, the love of God is non-operative in you. That you're not operating with God's definition of love because like has gotten in the way. I don't like that situation. But the key is that you have to understand you were saved to be an aqueduct, not a reservoir. You were saved to be not a cul-de-sac, but a conduit. When God put his love on you and me, he wanted it to flow through you, not stop with you. And if you have a heart of compassion for others, but haven't considered where that ultimately comes from, Dr. Evans is here with a special word for you. Jesus showed compassion, empathy, and unconditional love to everyone, no matter who they were or where they came from. He taught his followers to love one another, treat people with respect, and be kind to those in need. If you've got a desire to spread love and compassion, to bring understanding and unity to our culture, then your heart is aligned with Jesus' teaching. And the best way you can impact the world for good is to make sure you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to accept his sacrifice for you and let him guide you every day. If you don't have that relationship yet, you can start it today. Just pray this simple prayer, but mean it for yourself. Dear God, I confess my faith in Jesus Christ, your son, who died on the cross for my sins and rose to save me. Enter my life. Be my Savior and Lord. Cleanse me. Direct my path. Thank you for your love and salvation found in Jesus. And help me to live a life each day that shines your truth and love to those around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Tony has more to share about the importance of aligning your life with Christ. And you can hear it all when you visit TonyEvans.org and follow the link at the top of the homepage that simply says Jesus. Well, before I tell you about what's coming up next time, don't forget to take advantage of that special offer I mentioned a little earlier. It includes full-length CD or downloadable versions of all eight messages in Tony's current series, The Judgment Seat of Christ along with his helpful and popular booklet, Winning Your Spiritual Battles. They're both available as our gift when you make a contribution in support of the Ministry of the Alternative. It's our way of showing appreciation for the continued support of listeners like you 
who make this program possible each day. Get all the details and make the arrangements at TonyEvans.org before time runs out. Again, that's TonyEvans.org. Or call our 24-hour resource center at 1-800-800-3222 and let one of our team members help you. Once again, that's 1-800-800-3222. A dedicated cross-country runner laces up his shoes, does a series of stretches, and visualizes the course ahead. Each step is part of his crucial preparation for crossing the finish line. Well, tomorrow, Dr. Evans continues his look at the exercises the dedicated Christian takes in preparation for the judgment. Be sure to join him. The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans is brought to you by The Urban Alternative and is made possible by the generous contributions of listeners like you. 